Welcome to Mavsplained. This is Isaac Harris of Mavs.com, where we talk about a trend, a story, news, a topic, anything about the Mavs every single day. And today, joined by the man himself, the BK Brawler, Bobby Corrala. What's up, Isaac? How are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Uh, life is good right now. And today, our topic is kind of confusing for some people. It's kind of hard to grasp a little bit. But when we're talking about draft picks and we're talking about first round draft picks, there's this rule in the NBA called the Stepien rule that puts some restrictions on how you can trade picks and exchange picks. So thankfully, I have you today to explain what the Stepien rule is about. So put it in some easy, just simple terms. What is the Stepien rule? So the Stepien rule, get out your basketball glasses because we're about to get nerdy here. Uh, The Stepien rule essentially prohibits teams from trading future first round picks in consecutive drafts in most cases there are some like weird exceptions but for the most part generally speaking the stepian rule means if you're the mavs and you have already traded your 2021 draft pick you cannot trade your 2022 draft pick so it's essentially keeping teams from in layman's terms just like mortgaging their future um to cash in you know on guys today so is this a is this a rule that was put in place to i don't know uh, the bad gms in the world that was just hey i'm going to trade like eight first rounders in a row so they're kind of stopping them from doing that to themselves uh yeah and and the reason actually that uh that this is kind of a topic on a mavs podcast because it it relates to every team sure but the mavericks actually had a pretty significant hand in the uh, creation of the stepian rule they weren't on the mistaken and I guess they're the ones that benefited greatly from the actions of Ted Stepien the the namesake of the rule uh he was the owner of the Cavaliers in the early 80s so he bought the team in 1980 uh for two million dollars that bought him 38 percent of the Cavs two million bucks which you and I almost have that much money just sitting around right now I was getting ready to say that's chump change for you yeah 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 so we could go back in time and buy an NBA team but uh he became uh, by by mid 1980, he became the principal owner of the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, and he wanted to compete. So the Cavs were a pretty young team. I, I want to kind of set the scene for uh, why the Cavs did what they did before we talk about what it is that they actually did. So uh, whenever he bought the team, they had just finished up their first decade um, as an NBA franchise. They joined the league in 1970, and Bill Fitch was their first coach. Uh, Bill Fitch, famously uh, known as uh, one of Rick Carlisle's biggest mentors uh, as a coach. So that's that's another connection to the Mavs. But anyway, uh, he was the coach of the Cavs. Up until the time that uh, Stepien bought the team, they had never finished they'd, – they'd only finished better than third place one time. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals that year. A couple years later, Bill Fitch left to coach the Celtics, and uh, then the Cavs fell pretty quickly into obscurity. And so whenever Stepien bought the team in 1980, this is a wildly successful businessman. He's proud and all that stuff, and so he wants to compete right away. And he decided to go all in to the point that by the end of his first season as owner of the Cavs, so this is the trade deadline of 1981, he had already traded away first-round picks from 1982 spanning all the way through 1986. In one season, he traded five years worth of first-round draft picks, and now four of those picks went to the Mavs, who, if you're a real Mavs history buff, 
you'll know 1980-81 was their first season. And so at the time, they're an expansion franchise. Meanwhile, the Cavs are a team that's trying to make the playoffs at all costs. And so the Mavs are like, well, they're run by Norm Sanju at the time. They're like, we're an expansion team. Uh, we have a lot of guys who were not necessarily obligated to keep around forever, no franchise players or anything, because all these guys are brand new. So yeah, we'll make a ton of trades with you right now, because we're not trying to be good for another few years anyway. And so the Mavs traded. Stop me whenever I get to a guy that you have heard of. No disrespect to these players, of course. <laughs> but the Mavs traded Mike Bratz. Mm. Keep going. Richard Washington. You can keep on trucking. Jerome Whitehead. Sorry. Jeff Houston. Related to Allen? Uh, no. This is Houston spelled Huston. There's no O, actually. Ooh. It's an interesting way. So it might even be Huston. I don't know. Uh, he, at the time that the Mavs traded him, was actually their leading scorer on the team. So that's that's... I mean, these are all like veteran players that yeah. you know had been around the NBA. So it's not like they're nobodies. It's just we haven't heard of them before because uh, we're younger guys. But the Mavs traded those four players and a 1983 third round draft pick over the course of three different trades in the same season. How many, How often do you see a team make three trades with another team in the same year? But these are three unique trades. The Mavs traded those four guys and a 1983 third round draft pick. For the Cavs' first-round picks in 1983, 1984, 1985, and 1986. And those picks became, in order, Derek Harper, <laughs> Sam Perkins, Ooh. Detlef Shrimp, and Roy Tarpley. Let's go! Yeah. So, an incredible, incredible act of team building by the great Norm Sanju. Uh, one of the many reasons why he was actually honored with a, a pretty a pretty huge kind of uh, a, achievement award by the NBA this season, Uh Looking back in Mavs history in the 80s, they went from expansion team to Western Conference Finals in like eight years. And that's why they were able to get four first-round picks in consecutive drafts essentially for free, and they nailed every single one of them. Now, Sam Perkins uh, was very good. Charles Barkley was taking the pick right after Sam Perkins. And so, you know, there are some fans that are like, well, why didn't you just take Barkley? But Sam Perkins had a great career. Yeah. Detlef Shrimp obviously had a great career. Most notably with like the Pacers and the Sonics, but he was very good for the Mavs and obviously turned out to be a, a fantastic pro. Uh, all major contributors to the Mavs playoff teams in the mid 80s, and it was essentially at no cost. Uh, those four guys, in summation, just for what they gave the Mavs, not for future teams that they went to or anything, the Mavs gave up 13.6 future win shares. This is from basketball reference in exchange for 139.7 win shares. So they basically, like, they multiplied their value by 10, essentially, with the, with these <laughs> trades. And, uh, yeah, it was just an, an absolute robbery. And so in response to those trades, by the end of that year, uh, by the end of the 80-81 season, the NBA instituted the rule that it's, it's not called the Stepien rule, like, in the rule book, but it's known as the Stepien rule because it was in response to essentially like reckless uh team building because you had an owner that was mortgaging the draft for an entire decade just to get his team to the playoffs which of course did not work uh as the Cavs were were bad for another few years before they finally did get good toward the end of the 80s shout out to the days where uh you we had a third round in the NBA draft dude they had seven rounds <laughs> and before that they had even more but I mean in, in the 80s I was looking at the Cavs draft history they had seven rounds it was like the NFL draft it was crazy that 
when I looking back, I mean, basically, you know, Stepien was handing out draft picks like it was, I don't know, a buffet at Luby's or something. And Mavericks come calling and make that happen. It's it's kind of like the Brooklyn Boston trade before that trade. I mean, this was the a haul that I mean, we all talk about that Brooklyn Boston trade uh, with KG and them and all those you know picks and stuff. And that's like the one trade that's looked at now. I mean, we go back years that, you know, People back then is probably viewing that Dallas, you know, Cleveland trade kind of like that. And now it actually changed a rule in the rule book. Yeah, it'll be interesting to go back in time and kind of like take the pulse of people. I guess, you know, I'm, I'm sure the morning news has articles about it and everything. So maybe like columnists were just ripping Steppy in a new one or something. But at the time, dude, first round picks were traded like crazy. I mean, in, in 1986, the next trade involving the Mavs and the Cavs, uh, the Mavs drafted Mark Price and actually traded him for a future second-round pick because they just didn't have a spot on the roster for him. So Mark Price went to Cleveland and obviously had an incredible career with the Cavs, including a 50-40-90 season, I believe. But you just had teams trading first-round picks all the time. Like, heck, uh, Brad Doherty ended up on the Cavs as the number one overall pick in 1986. But many years before that, the what would eventually become the number one overall pick in the draft was traded by the Clippers – for Kobe Bryant's dad, Joe Jellybean Bryant. I mean, That's you crazy. you had teams trading first round picks for just veterans was like a really common thing. Uh, it's it's definitely changed these days, not only because of you know the stepping rule prohibiting teams from doing that, but also kind of as a response to that because now that teams can't just trade all of their picks all the time, uh, picks inherently kind of become more valuable because there's fewer on the marketplace because you have teams like Dallas, Miami, uh, Brooklyn for a very long time, a lot of like contending teams, the Lakers for many years and, and, uh, and so on, you know, the Clippers are kind of the same way now. They've already traded like all the picks that they can trade. So, you know, there's, there's much fewer picks that are available in the market. And so they become so much more valuable to now to the point where like teams want two picks at least for a superstar. So now that we've had a couple of decades under our belt now with with this rule are you in favor of it like do we like this rule because there's one side that i i kind of understand of people that might come back against it and say hey if a team wants to give up all their first round picks to go after a star and for a more win now type of situation then why not just let them do it but then there's another side too it's saying hey well what about this fan base to where you get screwed and then you're just stuck in purgatory for years so like where do you stand out do you do you like that the rule is actually in place I don't know. I always kind of go back and forth on this. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts too, but I, I think it could kind of go like multiple ways. If teams could still trade picks uh, the way that they could back in the day, I wonder if they even would. Because like I said, picks are kind of more valuable now. And, and with the way that the salary cap has evolved, like having players on rookie scale contracts is really important because it allows you to have a player for arguably less than they would get if they were just a free agent, right? Like they're cost controlled contracts. And so, you know, having rookies is really valuable. Um, then again, you know, had had the stepping rule not been around for Mark Cuban's first decade of ownership of the Mavs, <laughs> he probably would have traded every single pick that they had. And now everybody makes fun of the Mavs draft record. But like, if they just got rid of all their picks, they wouldn't have been bad at drafting. They probably could have got a few more veteran players. And so I could kind of see both sides of the coin. Like it would it would advantage uh, some teams like you know, the, the Heat have traded ever since Pat Riley took over basketball operations. I, I'm pretty sure they've traded every other pick 
um, going back all the way to like 2005, 2006, whenever he took over. So uh, there are some teams that are very, very aggressive in that respect, and there are others that like to hoard picks. I don't think that what the Cavs did under Ted Stepien would happen today if teams could yeah. do that. At the time, they were like a lottery team whose stated goal was just, just to make the playoffs. So you're not trying to go from bad to great. You're just trying to go from bad to like pretty good. And I don't think that any teams would just trade like seven or eight first-round picks just to make that one leap. I think that you'd be more likely to see teams like that, teams that are at the bottom, take advantage of better teams' desperation to to compete, right? So like teams like the Hawks right now uh, would not trade future first-round picks for a veteran just to make the playoffs. They would say like, hey, L.A., now that you have LeBron and AD or now that you have Kawhi and Paul George – we'll give you our quality veteran player or we'll give you one of our young guys who's pretty good for like three more picks and they would stockpile picks that way. So I think it would kind of work in the inverse of the way that it did. Um, I'm not sure that it's good or bad. I think that's kind of tough to, to say because like my instinct is to say like, why would we protect owners or GMs from themselves? Like that, that rule is literally only preventing like stupidity from occurring. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it kind of like regulates the marketplace in a way that I think is healthy for overall trading. So it kind of is like a, I don't know. What do you think? I, th- I think I'm exactly where you're at. And even if that rule was not in place right now, I still think because of the value of that first round pick, like you said, with where the salary cap's at, just seeing where the flexibility Dallas has over the next you know year or so with you know Luka Doncic on a rookie contract making under ten million dollars, that I mean the value of that's just insane. You even go back to those early Warrior days with Steph Curry and stuff, and just him coming out of that rookie deal and all this stuff, but. Yeah, so I think I'm in that camp. There is a part of me that I think about fan bases too, and I don't want to, like, yeah, we, we can't, like, put uh, GMs or other owners uh, on blast. But if you have, we, we know of examples in the league of, you know, some owners out there that might just say, yeah, do whatever it takes. I'll give up six first round picks. And then if it doesn't, if it crashes and burns, then you have a fan base that's like, there's no hope. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, now we're looking at the next seven years or five years of no first-round picks, and our team sucks, and it's just you're just looking for the light at the end of the tunnel at that point. So I would kind to of your point, feel the, bad. Uh, the Stepien rule existed, and the Nets still kind of got themselves into that situation because they gave up so many picks, and I think some pick swaps too, to the point where, like, Boston was able to get Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in exchange for like the last two years of Kevin Garnett's career. I mean, it was, it was like, it, it's become highway robbery. And now I understand why the Nets did it. Obviously they wanted, yeah. you know, a new owner aggressive. They wanted to make the playoffs. They did. They were close to going to, I think a conference finals, you know, it went to like seven games or something. So like they had a good run. They just couldn't get over the hump, but yeah, you're right. I mean, once the Pierce Garnett era ended and Jason Terry was involved in that trade too. <laughs> once that era ended in Brooklyn, all that they were left with was just constantly getting memed for letting Boston get all of these great young players who are now like the reason that the Celtics are probably going to go to the finals pretty soon. Yeah. So you mentioned pick swaps and stuff. Can you clarify for us on how does these pick swaps protections, how does this go? How does this affect this rule? Because we see trades happen. It's like, Hey, player X gets traded for this future first round pick, but then there's, you know, a pick protection in the next year. And then there's a, you know, opportunity to pick swap. And so that can kind of confuse you a little bit on, all right, well, does the stepping rule apply if there's a pick swap? And so how does, 
those two things apply to the Stepien rule? So that's a good question. So if you, let's say you're the Mavs right now, this is applicable to them. So they cannot trade their first round pick this season in 2020 because they owe next season's pick to New York as part of the KP trade. So can you, can you outline that or just lay that out real quick of the New York? Sorry to interrupt you, but the Knicks trade, can you just lay out the next like four years of what Dallas's first round picks look like? Yeah. 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 That's a good place to start actually. So um, the Mavs owe their 2021 pick to New York, no matter where it is, whether it's the number one pick or the number 30 pick, that pick will go to the Knicks. And then they also owe, their 2023 pick to the Knicks and now that's the Stepien rule so they're 2021 they can't give up their 2022 but they can give up their 2023 and so their 2023 pick will go to the uh the Knicks but it is protected one through ten so if the Mavs for whatever reason that year are very bad let's say Luca and KP like are hurt or just go missing one day randomly and miss the entire season um or you know whatever in some you know apocalyptic scenario they get traded or just like something crazy like that happens uh and the Mavs are very bad then they won't owe their pick to the Knicks but it's protected 2023 2024 and 2025 and so where the Stepien rule would apply in that case is let's say the Mavs are bad in 2023 well then they owe their 2024 pick to the Knicks which means they can't trade their 2025 draft pick until that pick concedes to the Knicks. And so what you sometimes what happens is you get into this case where teams are like intentionally either trying to keep their pick or concede their pick so that they can trade future ones. Like we kind of ran into this case. uh, This would have been last season with the Mavs because they owed their pick to Atlanta top five protected as part of the Luka trade. Was it top three? I don't remember. Was it top three protected? I think it was top top five five. protected. Yeah, 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 you're right. It was top five. So you got into this situation where, okay, if the Mavs do finish in the top five, then that means they owe their 2020 pick um, to Atlanta, which means they owe their 2022 pick to the Knicks and 2024 pick to the Knicks because you can't give picks back-to-back seasons. And so uh, it comes into this like weird thing where you're just constantly kicking the can down the road. But where things stand right now is the Mavs owe their 21 and 23 picks. So let's just say that's how it shakes out. Well, they can't trade their 2020 pick. But let's say for some reason they're able to acquire another draft pick in 2020, whether it's better than theirs or worse than theirs, then suddenly they can trade their pick. You just have to have a first round pick in a draft. It doesn't have to be yours. It could be someone who it could be the number one pick. It could be the number 30 pick. As long as you have a first round pick, then you can suddenly trade yours until and this is where the exception is kind of made. The stepping rule prevents you from trading future picks, but you can trade a pick once you've made the pick. So mm-hmm. if the Mavs, whatever, they, they get to the number, I think they're 19th right now is where they are in the in the draft, uh, or maybe 18th or something. Let's say they get to that spot in the draft, and they take player X from North Carolina. That's your favorite school. <laughs> and they're like, you know what? This guy is really good, but you know, team Y is on the phone. They really want this guy. Well, then you could trade that player because you've made the pick. So you don't have to like sign the guy and keep him on your team for four years or whatever. You can trade him once you've made the selection, essentially. But um, it just prevents you from trading so many picks like five years beforehand. 
So that that's how you see teams across the league that, you know, you see graphics thrown out there or you look up their draft history and you're like, all right, well, this don't really make sense. How does a, you know, a team not have a first round pick on their roster for like five years when the Stepien rule is in effect? So I'm glad you touched on that because I, I did want you to clarify that of when can you in this season? So like you said, they have to have the, their 2020 pick this year. Their 2021 pick goes to New York next year. Let's say we're at uh, the trade deadline next year and it's 2021, February, 2021. And that pick that can they trade their 2022 pick? No, right? Correct. They cannot do that. The soonest that the soonest that they'll be able to trade a first round pick even today is 2025. But <laughs> that pick would have to have an asterisk on it because you can't guarantee that they'll concede their pick to the Knicks in 2023. Now, I think it's we can agree that unless something goes horribly wrong, they will give their 2023 pick to the Knicks because they will not be in the top 10 in the lottery. However, uh, you can't guaranteed trade your 2025 pick until you know that you're going to concede your 2023. And so let's say they call up the Nuggets and they're like, yeah, we'll give you our 2025 pick but it's contingent on conceding 2023. So you'd get into this weird situation where if I give you my 25 pick and I am bad in 23, then it becomes 26 because it's 2024 and 26. And if it happens again the next year, then it's 25 and 27. And then suddenly you're just in this purgatory where you can't trade picks ever because you keep not conceding them. And so you're just like, you're, you're never able to trade young players for veterans, which is typically like one of the classic ways that teams uh, who are trying to make the leap from like pretty good to contender will do it is like if we win 50 games, all right, it's time to give up our number 21 pick for a veteran guy, give it to a younger team and, and let them rebuild with that guy. So let's look at this draft this coming summer, uh, whenever, yeah, whenever that happens. And 2020 NBA draft, and let's just say the Mavericks have the 19th pick overall. When – Going into the draft, they can't technically trade that pick, but they could have, could they have something worked out with another team of, Hey, we're going to make this trade, but it's after the pick is made. So, you know, another team is basically making that 19th pick for them, but just so it just happens. It just has to say Dallas Mavericks select player X. And then therefore you're satisfying the step in role. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they have to use that pick on a player or they can, trade so like if if someone at 13 wants to move down the Mavs could move up you know or the Mavs could move back they could let someone beneath them you know trade down that way but they they have to select somebody in the draft so it will say on that guy now there, I think there's a very real chance that they're going to keep whoever they draft but uh, if they do this thing where they trade the guy then it will say on his Wikipedia page forever drafted by the Dallas Mavericks um, but you know they'll go to a, a new team so they would be able to trade that player legally speaking um, once the moratorium is lifted. Now, normally that means July 6th or whatever. Um, this offseason is obviously going to be operating on a slightly different schedule. So um, it'll, it'll be you know a couple weeks after the draft, whenever that is. So that's their option. They could, they could use that pick on a player and keep, uh, keep that player or you know, as they draft him or you know, after they draft him or even before the draft because everyone kind of knows who you're going to get you know, the day or two before the draft, you could negotiate something like that ahead of time technically, but uh, you like to keep your options open, obviously. And what's the benefit of besides just getting, you know, better, if you want to trade a draft pick for a vet, 
something we've seen in, in Dallas's history is, you know, maybe going for cap space to where if Dallas looks at this draft this summer and if some of you are trying to brainstorm of like, okay, how can we get a few more extra dollars in cap space this summer? Could Dallas go into the draft and they have to make a pick, but could they make that pick for another team to like move out of the first and save some money? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you could do that. You could draft a player and then just trade the player for air or for a future pick or something after the draft, but you, you'd still have to draft the player. Um, that is a certainly a possibility to open up cap space, I guess, depending on the way the offseason goes, because at this point, like I said, I mean, the Mavs probably aren't going to have cap space this summer, and so they're not really going to need to clear room. Um, but, you know, because draft picks are locked in at certain uh, dollar amounts, like everybody knows essentially what the 19th pick in the draft will make. And so if you're trying to build a trade, then you could say, okay, well, this, this player is going to make whatever $3.2 million. And so if we slap that on with this contract and we could trade for a contract worth this much or whatever, so it could be a very valuable trade chip. Uh, but again, because they're locked in at a low cap number and because the Mavs are already over the cap, it, it's really beneficial to have a young guy on a cost controlled contract. Um, and then also it just doesn't hurt to get young. Right. I mean, like, even though the Mavs are, they're much younger than they normally are, but they're still relatively uh, average to above average in age because you have guys like JJ that are, you know, really uh, warping the age curve. But even then, like the Mavs is supporting players, guys like Tim Hardaway, Maxi, Dwight Powell, um, you know, these are guys that are kind of in their upper 20s. You know, Dwight, I think, is almost 30. So, uh, you know, it never hurts to have a guy who's 22 on your team, even if you're trying to go to the playoffs. And I'm glad you I'm glad you touched on that uh, the fact that you know how you can trade that pick because I think that's one of the most confusing parts of the Stepien rule that when you talk about it with people it's like hey we know that you have to alternate years when you do these future trade and future picks but we also see these teams that it's like oh they've traded their first round pick you know the past five years and like how does that make sense and it's because of these years that they they technically can't trade their pick they really are trading the pick on draft night, but just like this, you know, this coming summer, like you said, the Dallas Mavericks will select somebody in the 2020 NBA draft and they will wear the Mavericks hat, but it's not a fully 100% guarantee that they're going to be on the team next year. So they could trade out of that pick. Um, do you have anything else on the Stepien rule? Man, I don't know. Hopefully uh, if only real ones are still listening to this like true <laughs> blue basketball fans are like god this is riveting just i cannot get enough of this but uh there are a lot of weird rules uh when it comes to the way that you know teams can perform transactions and everything and um you know this is an important one like i'm sure that there are going to be a lot of fans who are you know it was kind of the case this season uh there are going to be a lot of fans in the coming years obviously now that luke is on the team and kp's here and everything uh, that are going to be dreaming up trade scenarios and we'll say like all right let's just give them our first round pick well you know it's important to know that you can't do it multiple years uh, and also it's important to know I'm sure there are some people that probably don't know that the Mavs don't have their pick in 2021 and that they probably won't in 2023 either um, Real GM is a very good website uh, it has a, a page called future drafts detailed that shows you uh, picks that teams are receiving and picks that teams owe other teams uh, as far into the future as you can trade picks, which I believe is seven years. And so uh, on that page, you can see which picks the Mavs have, which they owe. And if you're, you know, if you if you want to play GM and uh, kind of, you know, have fun and, and, and dream up some trades, then 
that's a really good resource to use. Uh, also, I want to I have a little bit of trivia real quick before we get out of here. Oh, oh, I'm ready. So that 1984 pick uh, that became Sam Perkins, it was the Cavs' pick. It wasn't the Mavs' pick. And that uh, draft, 1984, is known as probably the best draft of all time. You had uh, Hakeem Olajuwon go number one. You had Charles Barkley go number five. I believe uh, John Stockton was in that draft as well. But the big one, of course, is Michael Jordan at number three. And the reason that that's important to this uh, story is the Mavs had the Cavs pick. And going into the last game of the year, the Cavs and the Bulls had the same record. So the Bulls, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Bulls had their own pick and that it wasn't given from anybody else. It might have been the Pistons for some reason I'm thinking that, but let's just assume it's just the Bulls pick. Let's just pretend. So the Bulls and the Cavs had the same exact record going into the last night of the year. They played on the same day. The Bulls lost their game. So they earned essentially the... The, they, they locked their spot at number three. And so there was no lottery back then. Everything was just decided by a coin flip. Uh, that was the last draft before the lottery. And so your placement in the standings is where you drafted. Ties were determined by a coin flip. So if the Cavs lost, then they would have the same record as the Bulls. Well, the Cavs were losing, and then they came back and won the game. So their win meant that the Mavs didn't get a tie with the Bulls, and had they tied, then they would have flipped a coin, and the winner would have got Michael freaking Jordan. So even though the Mavs absolutely destroyed the Cavs on the trade market like four or five years in a row, the Cavs prevented Dallas from getting Michael Jordan and later got Mark Price from the Mavs basically for free. And so they did kind of like even the score a little bit in the future but that's just a kind of an interesting like it's like a what if of a what if because just if the Cavs lost doesn't mean the Mavs would have won uh the coin flip and judging by their history in the lottery they probably would have lost um but it's an interesting kind of thing because you know it was very close we were very close for Michael Jordan possibly being a Maverick well you know I mean the people out there that uh kind of uh, hate looking back at draft history for the Mavs at some point now they have another thing to uh dwell on and yeah. Say what if happened, and uh, I yeah, Sam Perkins. He always gets forgot about in this draft that two Tar Heels went back to back in the '84 draft. And dude, he was a really good. Pro- he averaged like 15 a game for his career. I mean, he, he was. was a really good player, and uh, he was yeah. great in college. Obviously, I mean that that Carolina team with him and MJ. I mean, they were like they were dominant. But uh, he was a really good player in Dallas, and went on to be good in in, in other uh, other places too. But, yeah, I mean, to be sandwiched in between MJ and Charles Barkley is, like, there are not many players ever who would be like, yeah, that's that's the right order, you know, taken before Barkley because he's one of, like, probably the 25 best players ever. Yeah, I mean, what if Dallas took Barkley? I mean. Yeah, and, and Barkley and Perkins played the same position. And now the reason why, I'm, I'm assuming, I you know, I, I don't have a time machine or anything, but I'm assuming the reason why they took uh, Perkins over Barkley is because Perkins could shoot a little better. Barkley was more of a post-up guy. Well, they already had Mark Aguirre on that team, so you didn't really need like another guy who was six foot four and could post up because they're like the same player almost, Aguirre and Barkley. Um, so Perkins was like a little different, gave you a little more size and had a little more touch from the outside too. But yeah, just uh, you know, the the draft is full of what ifs. Unfortunately, the the Cavs are not able to play what if for basically the entire. A, a decade of the 80s because they gave us all their picks well bobby thanks for going to, down a, a rabbit hole for a mavs what if on how we could uh we could have landed michael jordan 
And oh, thank, man. <laughs> thank you so much for explaining the Stepien rule because I know I, I get confused about this rule sometimes, and hopefully uh, some of you guys can look back at this podcast. You can share this podcast with somebody that might not know the rule and no, might not know all the details about it. Bobby just solved all of your problems with the Stepien rule. So hopefully we're a little bit more smart today uh, in regards to uh, rules in the NBA. As always, you can subscribe on anything you listen to, Spotify, Apple iTunes. Um, I use Overcast uh, on my phone, so I'm already subscribed to it on Overcast. Uh, Every single day, there's a Mavs news, topic, trend. We hit something on here every single day. So make sure you subscribe. And as always, thank you so much, Bobby. Thank you, Isaac.